Hi, welcome back to another episode of the Unfold Real Podcast. I'm Ginger and this is Amanda. And today we're going to be unshackling ourselves. And I can't wait for this one. I am exceptionally excited for this topic. Okay. Unshackling. Unshackling ourselves because you guys, we have been talking about people pleasing and really holding ourselves and minimizing our own experience to the point of shackles. What is a shackle? It's a really good image. I mean, it really is. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So now we're going to take the keys, unlock ourselves, and free ourselves from all the things that are holding us down and holding us back in our experience because although it feels like it comes from other people, it in fact does not. It's all found within ourselves. And so we're going to talk about how to do that. Okay. We hold the key. Let's jump right in there. All right. So first, being honest. Recognizing that you're in shackles. I mean, that's to be aware of like your current situation, right? Mm -hmm. Is the first step. I can't talk about honesty without talking about Sam Harris's book, Lying. This book is pretty short. Um, Sam Harris and his wife, Annika Harris, do a lot of consciousness work. And um, he's a neuroscientist. I believe he's a neuroscientist. I'm like doubting myself right now, but he wrote a book about lying. And in the book, he talks about how people lie to just like the smallest degree. But in reality, you're lying to yourself and you're lying in the fact that like over time, time tells the truth and you can't get away with it. You really can't over time get away with lying to yourself or others because um, and lying is such a harsh word when in reality we're talking about more like self-deception, self-deception or creating self-illusions to help propel your narrative, your internal narrative of how you think life is going. And when you're honest about your reality, it shifts how you approach where you want to go. You know, if you only ever see yourself as one way, that ego is going to crack. Like Amanda talked about in a previous episode, Um, being at Thanksgiving dinner and having her good girl mentality cracked right there and what a life-changing experience that was. And I think that over time, as people develop and grow, those cracks happen in many different ways. Yeah, I think so too. And all of those things make us free, right? The truth makes us free and the ego cracking makes us free and our willingness to kind of unshackle ourselves from the expectations of others makes us free. Um, but we have to be willing to face it. Yeah. And own our own lives. Yes. And be responsible for ourselves. And I think the damsel in distress is a very real temptation, especially for women that someone else will come and save yes. the day. Someone else is going to come and tell me what to do and save the day and make everything better. Um, in death. And so shocked to that idea. Right to that person sometimes. Yes. And to, and when we release ourselves from that and we come from a place of self-compassion, self-honesty, we have a new foundation to move forward from. Mm -hmm. What's the next step? Okay. Step one, honesty. Step two, uh, how about boundaries? (laughs) 
And I think, I actually think boundaries are really misunderstood in general. I think this is definitely like a topic because yeah. you taught me how to set boundaries. No pressure. But I think fundamentally boundaries are kindness to ourselves and to other people because they teach other people how to treat us. They teach other people how to be in relation to us. And that's good for our relationships. You know, it's good for people to know that it's not actually selfish on our part to set boundaries. It's actually a caring, loving thing to do. But most people think of boundaries and they only think of one. There's actually three types of boundaries. And, okay. and no boundaries in themselves are not necessarily good because rigid boundaries are usually really unhelpful. So rigid ones, rigid ones. <laughs> And sometimes the hardest thing about rigid ones is often people will say, well, you know, I'm going to make this your decision in my life. I'm going to put a really rigid boundary here and that's going to be the best thing. But rigid boundaries are in themselves often the problem. And so yeah. um, just because you're choosing a healthy thing, if you have a rigid boundary, there is no room for exceptions. There's no room for growth. There's no room to change your mind about anything. Uh, there's no openness in a rigid boundary. And so that's usually a really unhelpful thing um, in someone's life. So three types of boundaries. There's rigid, there's diffuse, which is basically no boundary. Someone who has, I'm thinking of a particular who has absolutely no filter at all and they have diffuse boundaries with everyone whether they've known you for 20 years or 20 minutes it's like you know everything about them uh immediately and it, it's often a very warm type of person but that kind of boundary is not really good for them because um, they don't have rules around relationships so people take liberties where they shouldn't right if you have a very diffuse boundary Someone can easily take advantage of that um, at any time. And you're vulnerable all the time if you have a very diffuse boundary. Yeah. I'm just sitting here self-reflecting. <laughs> Anyone else? Anyone else self-reflecting right now? I think like when I get to know people, sometimes I'm so interested in being understood and being like, mm. I want them to know me like really. And so then you kind of become too open, too fast. Right. Absolutely. When I say you, I mean me. <laughs> <laughs> I become too open too fast because and we're, I, but I'm like authentically just want to know. Right. Uh, really? Or are you shackled to the idea that they need to see you and know you and approve of you? that you can't take time to let that happen. Yes. Just something to think about. Okay. All right. What's so the next one? The most <laughs> ideal kinds of boundaries are flexible. Okay. That shouldn't be a okay. surprise, okay. right? Yeah. So flexible boundaries have room for give and take. They have room to change over time. Okay. Um, you know, this idea that like just giving ourselves space to change our minds over time, to change our about things to because without that we're really stuck in that rigid place yes right? can you think of anything that you've been really rigid about that has become flexible in your life that's actually been a really good thing i'm putting you on the spot i'll think about it too 
Um, parenting for sure. Okay. I've had a lot of experience that way where I had this idea of how uh, I wanted my kids to turn out and oh, yeah. all the things I was going to do as a mom. Oh, to I, my sure. kids were all going to eat crust, by the way. Oh, really? Like, they How's were going to eat their crust How when they were little. Do you, do, you, do you make them eat the pizza, the pizza bones? No, because I decided it just wasn't worth it. And it doesn't matter. So it's just carbs. Actually, so no one should eat the pizza crust because it's full of carbs. Just no, the best the part. Pizza crust is the best part. Really? I really love it. I just like the pepperoni part. <laughs> well, I think that um, also, like, I never wanted my kids to do this or that. But then right. I yes. go into parenting and realize, oh, actually, what I care about most is for them to have a really great experience growing up and for them to have the childhood that they uncover they want. Yes. And for me as a parent, it's my role to help develop them as they discover who they are. Mm-hmm. And so that's really been a perspective shift for sure. Yeah. And has created- I'm going from very rigid. Yes. I'm going to, my children will yes. do this. They won't do that. It, yes. You know, to saying, okay, that's actually flexible for me. Yeah. Yeah. And I think also in interpersonal relationships, like close relationships, there were some rigid boundaries. And then as you know, you grow and change. I, I think like back in marriage, you know, you're in a relationship with someone for a really long time and you have rigid boundaries around certain parts of life, religion, you know, sex, uh, you know, friendships or whatever. And then you realize, Oh, we're not happy in this space. This does not help me feel fulfilled. And so it's time to adjust the boundaries. And so then they become more flexible and not have them be rigid because it's not about just taking one rigid boundary and replacing it with another. And you see this with like, addictions and things too, right? Well, they'll say people who are really unsuccessful in, in overcoming addiction or who are what I call like white knuckling it, right? Mm-hmm. They'll replace like, I'm going to have a very rigid boundary around this, whether it's drinking, pornography, overeating, whatever it is, I'm going to have a very rigid boundary about this, but that actually that feeds the anxiety around it. And it actually creates more of a problem. Yeah, I can see that. I think also when we're talking about having flexible boundaries, my brain always goes to from rigid to more flexible. But I also think it goes the other way. Sometimes our boundaries are too flexible and we need to like tighten them up just a little Mm. bit. So if you're more of like a diffuse person in certain areas of your life, shifting it back to being like, maybe we just need some more definite boundaries here. Right. You know, like understanding that it that, that, that it follows the scale both ways yes oh i that's absolutely true that's yeah. absolutely true so so that's hopefully some clarity on boundaries and i mean i think that um the first step is having understanding your boundaries and then being able to have the vocabulary and the communication to express that with love to the people around you takes effort and it takes thought like it it really is good to think through your boundaries and why they're there so that you can communicate that to the people that you care about who need to abide by them well and again it's a kindness for for them yeah it's a kindness for them too and i think most people want to love you the way you want to be loved yeah i do and if they don't then maybe reconsider (laughs) 
then maybe they're not the right person. To have yeah. Life. Maybe know. if you don't have someone who, maybe if you have someone who doesn't respect your boundaries, something to think about. So, okay. What's the next yeah. one? Let's see. Next on. The I mean, list. that was so good. I, the boundary thing is just, it comes up all the time. So next one, turning inward for comfort. So unshackling yourself from other people or from that external validation means turning inward for comforting yourself and for validation um, rather than, and for answers. I mean, I, I really like, you know, the tradition of things like prayer because ultimately it is turning inward and saying, I, the answers are there. I can find them. I can, you know, I can embrace those and um, I can figure out what, what the best thing is. I don't have to turn to something else. I can, I can feel it from within. And I know Eastern um, philosophies talk For about sure. that a lot as well. I think turning inward and finding that relationship with yourself Cause sometimes when you make a change in your, like, let's like in, in your life experience, you want to make a change of some sorts. Sometimes our body and our mind aren't on the same page, you know, like you think, Oh, I want to break this addiction and your mind makes a conscious effort. It takes your body some time to get used to not having that substance. Mm -hmm. And so when you turn inward, it's a lot the same with boundaries or self-soothing you make the conscious decision that you're not going to look for out external validation. Right. You're not waiting for that mm -hmm. night to come in and save the day. Right. And you go inward and you say, you can self-soothe in the fact that really from a place of centered neutrality, you can, you can offer yourself the soothing that you need just by allowing yourself to feel uncomfortable. Mm. When you allow yourself to feel uncomfortable in a moment where you need soothing and you acknowledge and you kind of go into a place where you can see what arises during that time, a lot of the time I discover really unique things about myself that I might be masking. So if I find myself uncomfortable, I need a hug, I need this and I'm desiring, right, which is a low vibration, <laughs> a low vibration emotion. I have this desire for someone to soothe me. I have this desire for someone to rescue me, whatever it is. If I can sit in the discomfort of that and allow my emotions to bring to the surface what it is exactly that I need, most of the time, I need to have a conversation with myself about something that's going on so that I can communicate it to my external world. But if I don't understand it deep within, there will be no way for me to have that expression come out in authenticity and truth so that the people around me can adjust. Yeah. Well, and I think trusting yourself enough to be able to do that for yourself too. Yes. And knowing, I think that that trust piece is really interesting because early in my experience with mindfulness, I did not trust myself. I, mm. I think I was conditioned to seek validation for my thoughts and feelings and emotions. Like, is this normal conversations right. with friends and family? Right. Um, and now I really just go inside and say, is this in line with who I am? Mm. You know, is yeah. this, because that's really the benchmark that I care about is 
I do have in my mind who I want to be and who I believe that I am, whether that's a self-illusion or not, to be determined. Because really, I do know what a good person is. I mm-hmm. feel like I do know what a good person is. And that's mm-hmm. I and I don't even know if I want to label it good or bad, but I I feel like in general we can have sort of this feeling of am I in line with what works for me or not, whether that's good or bad. Because sometimes we do things that apparently might be bad for someone else, but they are good for us. Mm -hmm. So we don't always want to label what we're doing good or bad, but it's more about, you know, is it harmful to others and things like that we always have to consider. But um, much of our experience is more about opinion. So you go and ask other people's opinion right. or how instead just, of just trusting yourself, exactly. instead of saying my opinion actually is the most important in my life. Right. And just having confidence in, no, I know I'm a good person and I don't take advantage of people. And so I will never do that. Mm-hmm. And if I find myself with that intention, because much like what you said before, a lot of the times we manifest what we fear. So if we fear that we're going to take advantage of someone, we just probably will. But if I know in neutrality and my deep trust within myself, I'm not going to take advantage of another person. When that opportunity arises, the decision is already made. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what happens when you have something in your past that you still feel shackled to? So lots of people struggle with like childhood stuff, right? Yes. And feeling really shackled to their parents' expectations and goals for them. And, you Mm -hmm. know, especially those children of helicopter parents, like we talked about last time, like children who are raised to be trophy children and play out the, you know, their successes for their parents. So how, how can we sort of unshackle from that from that relationship that that we can feel locked into. Well, I think you and I have two different perspectives, not different meaning like I think they go along with each other, but we have two different approaches. Like you have a very practical way that I know that you help me sort of uncover all of that, but then on my side, I have I've sort of discovered through meditation process that's very spiritual and and so let's just let's start with yours okay and then we'll move into the spiritual side so i think uh reparenting is a term that we use um in the therapeutic world and um very based in narrative therapy where we talk about the story of one's life and going through and giving yourself the things that you didn't get as a child or looking at those experiences with more gratitude Um, So, for example, someone who might be a survivor of abuse, um, we would say, um, you know, you are a survivor, not a victim of abuse. Right. So sort of looking at those things in life as an opportunity for growth, that there are no mistakes, there are no that all of these things are opportunity for growth and lead us to be where we are today. Right. But also going back and saying, okay, I didn't get these things. I'm going to stop chasing them from my parents. I'm going to give them to myself. Like, I'm not going to require them to give it to yes, me. Yes. And I'm not I'm going, going to, to give myself exactly right. what I need. Yes. I mean, even as simple as how many 
people do you know giving themselves braces right now that are yes. our age because they didn't have them growing yes. up? Yes. So it could be something as as simple or physical as that, but but of course the emotional things too, the acceptance and the praise and all of those things. You know, you can actually go back and change the narrative and change the story and give yourself those things. And I think so. Taking that piece, that reparenting piece, and and applying a method of meditation has been so powerful in my experience. So I take, I take this reparenting piece and I would actually turn on music, which was uh, a lot of the times a sound bath with the, that was designed directly for calming the central nervous system, because I know that these situations in my childhood that I wanted to go back and kind of fix were very triggering and so like my sister's death was one of them mm-hmm. um, and how that was sort of handled in our family culture. Listen, I am so grateful for, first of all, for how that happened because um, it really propelled me into a spiritual life. Mm-hmm. And I really find a lot of benefit from my sister's death because I mean, you can't look at things like that that are so life-changing and not appreciate it because it makes it, it makes you who you are. Yeah, absolutely. So I would go into, so I would go into meditation, clear my mind. I'd be listening to a sound bath or, you know, therapeutic music of any kind that would work for you. Or like you said, the insects or water. And what was the other one? Bird song. Bird song. So whatever like resonates with you, put it on, clear your mind and then go back in your imagination to those times and try to retrieve all the memories that you have. And in that place, put yourself as a guardian angel to your person, to your memory. And you go there and you give yourself the hugs you need, the love you need, the support you need. Tell yourself everything that you wish that somebody could have told you and it might sound a little bit out there, but I have healed so much of my experience this mm-hmm. way. I mean, these are practices that I find very um, sacred to me because they are absolutely life-changing to go back into time. It's like time travel is how it feels to me, going back to those situations, giving myself what I need and coming out of it with a feeling of love and gratitude that that experience made me who I am, but I no longer need the hurt from it. Mm -hmm. I no longer need the contrast in my experience, but I have learned what I need to learn. And I have learned so much by doing that coming out of it, just sitting quietly and allowing my consciousness to tell myself how this played out in my life and why changed my whole story. Well, because that little girl still lives inside of you Mm -hmm. and she is still afraid and scared and hurt. Right. And giving her the things that she needs and then putting her in a safe place. Right. Making a place of safety and stability that I never felt before and realizing that all through my experience and moving from the past all the way through to the future that I can provide that for myself. Yes. That it didn't come from someone else. I didn't need someone to save the day, Mm -hmm. but that I saved the day for me 
And I don't need to save the day for anybody else, but I can show them how they can save themselves. Mm -hmm. And I think that that is really, really true, unconditional love for yourself. You know? Yeah. That I mean, you don't, that you don't deserve to suffer unnecessarily. Because a lot of that inner child in all of us is still suffering at such a deep level. Yeah. And it's unnecessary. We don't have to suffer. We don't have to suffer now. We didn't have to suffer then. I kind of feel like we did have to suffer then. Like, I feel like I've had to suffer throughout my life to bring myself to the point, like a pressure cooker, mm -hmm. where I could slowly let off that pressure mm -hmm. and grow into this next phase of my, the evolution of my soul, where I take ultimate accountability, ultimate control, and ultimate outcome mm -hmm. for my experience. Well, and I think the things that we go through, because sometimes people will say, well, all these bad things happened, but they do make us who we are. You would be a very uninteresting, boring, vapid person <laughs> if you yeah. never had anything of substance happen to you. Going yes. through hard things makes us worthwhile, interesting, engaged people. And really... It's unfair to think that someone else isn't having a similar experience. I deeply believe every single human being has, is, will suffer. I feel like understanding that no one is getting out of this life without a level of suffering is a place of ultimate compassion for everybody, no matter what. You come across somebody who's having a bad day, it's very understandable because I've had a million yeah you know so it's really not about avoiding those things it's really just about unshackling and detaching from our own our own fears and expectations around other people and around our life experiences and just freeing ourselves and it frees the people we love from the blame yes. we've put on them absolutely it frees them from the shame that we've put on them you know if your parents handle the situation wrong, it frees them mm -hmm. and it allows you to have like a better relationship with yeah. them today and for the future that you don't have to remain in this space of pain, hostility, resentment, that you can give yourself everything that you need and that you can love them and their efforts regardless of how, you know, you've judged them in the past, really letting go of judgment is the most compassionate thing that you can do for yourself because judgment just holds you to a place that ultimately is unstable because a judgment today can change tomorrow and then it's an ego issue right because we hold on to our judgments because we all want to be right mm -hmm. i think you're right Sorry, sometimes it just gets too serious.